0: Welcome to the Tech Interviews, uh, and this week is the first of a two-part chat I had with Microsoft Tech Evangelist Matt McSpirit. This week we talk about how Microsoft are embracing the DevOps movement and how that's changing the way that they are delivering software and services to their customers. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, welcome to the Tech Interviews, and this week I'm joined by uh, Matt McSpirit from Microsoft. Hi, Matt. Hello, how you doing? I'm um, very well. Um, I, I've known Matt for, uh, for quite a long time, um, but uh, uh, today he's, uh, he's based out in Microsoft's HQ, out in, uh, out in Redmond, um, and he's, he's got uh, a focus on two really key technology trend areas, I think, and some, something that um, very much seems to be a focus of Microsoft. So, um, so Matt, do you want to kind of introduce a little bit about uh, your role at Microsoft and, and what those areas of focus are?
1: Yeah, that's, that's no problem at all. So I'm Matt McSpirit. I'm a technical evangelist. Uh, sounds very uh, religious, but obviously it's very focused on showcasing, telling stories, helping people understand and embrace and learn about Uh, new and emerging technology. So very much on the cutting edge of of tech. Uh, and my focus, as, as you said, is really around those key areas like DevOps and, uh, Azure Stack specifically. And we'll go into, to both of those uh, shortly. And the role that I have around, around tech evangelist, it's really about helping people learn through social media, through blogs, through white papers, through technical evidence. So for instance, if you're interested in DevOps, how do you do it? How can I get you examples of what other people have done to help you learn, to help you embrace, to help you move forward, and 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 that kind of stuff. So, see, so yeah, I used to focus when when uh, we spent a little bit more time together when we were in the UK on things like Hyper-V and Windows Server, and they're still very close to my heart and, and a core part of Azure Stack, especially. Uh, but now I I talk about open source and Linux and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's my mind is very very broad uh, uh, now, thanks to Microsoft. Um, and yeah, I think I've known you longer than I've known my wife. Us. that's how long we've, we've known each other.
0: Indeed, and uh, unlike with your <laughs> wife, however, you didn't then move 5,000 miles away to keep away from me. Um, so yeah, if so anybody who knows me understands exactly why Matt has done that. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that was a key part of the decision process. <laughs> so, um, uh, well... Uh, like I say, I mean, there's a couple of really interesting areas there. We'll, we'll kind of come back to yep. um, to, to Azure Stack later. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to make a start maybe talking a little bit about DevOps. So um, so yep. last, last week, so I, I went to a, a really interesting event that talked about what Microsoft were doing uh, and some of the Microsoft tooling around that. Uh, and maybe we'll get an opportunity to dig into that. But but maybe first, um, I, I'm always interested with DevOps. If you kind of have a definition that you work to or whether even there's a kind of a Microsoft definition of, of what DevOps is.
1: It's interesting that you ask for a Microsoft or a a my definition because that assumes that you've heard a definition from somewhere, someone, Um, and it's the same with with everyone. There seems to be, anybody who's interested in DevOps seems to have either their own definition or they've heard a definition from person X, vendor X, partner X, and it seems to be subtly different from partner Y, partner Z, and so on. Uh, That's a challenge to define it in some cases, but we've got our way of, of talking about it but it always talks. It always starts in the same way, and at a very high level, DevOps is a um, not a technology. That's that's. We've got to be very clear. It's not. You don't buy. Can I have a DevOps, please? Can I have four DevOps, please? Uh, and how do I license DevOps? It's it's not like traditional Microsoft conversation. You want Windows Server? You want System Center? You want blah? Great. It's about enhancing and improving and utilizing people processes and then technology in that order intentionally uh, to more optimize the relationship between developers and operations to ultimately streamline how developers build and how products technologies code is released and and deployed and run within organizations so you could say well is it just like a, a better development lifecycle process in some ways but it certainly aims to involve and that people thing comes back to it, it certainly aims to involve operations more than traditionally where developers do stuff throw it over the fence to ops and it doesn't work because they were coding on their local machine and now that it's not running on their local machine, so it's now running on a server in the ops environment. So it's their fault that it doesn't work, um, and and we go from there. So it's it's those kind of unifying of developer and operations, and then utilizing the technology to make that a reality to really help uh, instill processes and practices. And I'll go through what what we see the practices are um, to help that. Whole process work more effectively. So, really long-winded, uh, non-specific definition. I think you'll find you've got from me there. But um, hopefully, the the practices will help solidify and make a little bit more concrete um, how you can uh, utilize DevOps more effectively.
0: And I think that's a really interesting point as well, because the idea that um, I, I mean, I always start any kind of conversation like this with DevOps is not a thing that you can buy. So, um, so it's nice. now I'm not the only person who thinks that. Um, yeah. But, I, um, what what is what what's also interests me though is is why um, and again whether you've got a view on why you think DevOps is kind of uh, and this DevOps movement is gaining the kind of traction and interest that uh, that it is at the moment. You know, is a is a specific problems that we see in the way that maybe we've operated technology and IT in in our organisations in the past that that we need to change and that this kind of embracement embracing of DevOps is is part of that.
1: I think what you see in the industry in general, even if you're not involved in IT, say you've got the latest smartphone, for instance, and you're, you're using the latest Windows or iOS devices, and the way that the organizations and ISVs are shipping applications and code is so much more rapid. Even within Microsoft, big products uh, like Windows Server, and they, they're getting these cumulative updates now that ship on a much faster cadence, and to do that, if we take perhaps more specifically the example of of phone, mobile web applications and so on, the cadence of which you see a new version come out, a .1 release, a .2, .3, they are being rapidly deployed and traditional development lifecycle processes and practices just can't can't scale, can't be efficient enough to make those kind of things a reality when you think about the dev test process, QA, uh, testing uh, when it's been in QA, then deployment into production, all of those kind of steps of part of a traditional life cycle involve manual effort inefficiencies and if you want to achieve the quick versioning deployment pushing out new changes new new versions of applications into production and through through dev test QA and so on you need to be more agile and and yes there are agile development processes out there but DevOps aims to, provide a really efficient really optimized way of standardizing and developing and deploying very quickly through the practices which I can I can talk about um, that involves ops so you're in a you're in a process that you know ops isn't kind of isolated and you're throwing things over the wall and all in all that just makes things more and more efficient and both Microsoft are taking advantage of this internally with the way we ship technologies uh, and partners and customers and big organizations household names are utilizing DevOps. Uh, to really make things more efficient, and we've got a number of case studies that are, that are on our website that, uh, that highlight that. But yeah, the level of efficiency needed to stay competitive, if you're an ISV, an independent software vendor, and you're deploying and building and running software, it just you just can't do it with traditional methods and approaches. So there has to be a new way, and it seems that DevOps has has become that new way of achieving that. Uh, in the nutshell.
0: So, there's a couple of things you said in there as well, and, uh, and one of them was something I was going to ask you anyway, but um, I, I would just pick up on something there with uh, kind of, uh, again, one of the things that maybe DevOps isn't. Um, and again, I I mean, do you see DevOps as being kind of like a framework, like something like an ITIL, or is it not really as um, kind of prescriptive as, as something like that?
1: Yeah, it's I could see how you could make that comparison. I think ITIL is very, very, it's very, very specific. Whereas DevOps has got a little bit more uh, flexibility, I would say. Yeah, you've got practices that at least Microsoft believe there's some fundamental practices that if you are going to uh, do DevOps and embrace, you would likely be utilizing. And these practices are just just almost categories of things that happen during the development life cycle. And then you've got more advanced ones that uh, would come in after. But you don't have to be doing all or a certain number to be in quotes doing DevOps but it's it's just I think you all have your own flavor of the way you embrace these different practices and it's not that one is better or one is more right or wrong and it may be that they change over time so I don't think it's as rigid as perhaps ITIL and Prince models and those kinda things and service management and like that in general but maybe it will get to that eventually maybe it will become a new a new framework in that respect but I think today it's I wouldn't class it as necessarily a framework as as tightly and as rigid as, as something like ITIL. Are you saying I can't have a DevOps badge and certificate? Is that what you're telling me? I can print you one. Yeah, yeah. no problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I do DevOps. I bought DevOps from Paul. Uh, that's uh, that, that's that's a, a experience above and beyond the call of duty as always. Yeah, I'll send it. Yes, yeah, fine. Um, so, we, well, you, you meant the other thing that I, I, that you mentioned in there that was kind of going to be a question was. Um, was the idea of, of, of how Microsoft are seeing kind of DevOps as a, as a way of thinking, as a culture perhaps, you know, and, and, yep. and how Microsoft are embracing that. So, so you kind of mentioned that Microsoft are embracing that, and, and obviously within the realms of what you're allowed to share. Uh, what have you seen in terms of changes in an organization like Microsoft that, you know, that, that, that sees them embracing kind of DevOps mentality? There's,
1: there's a couple of, of examples. I mean, Visual Studio Team Services, being uh what was Visual Studio Online, is now a very powerful uh, solution, a Microsoft-based solution, and I'll talk about open source later, I'm sure, but a Microsoft-based solution to enable a number of the key uh, practices within DevOps, integration as code, con- uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment, testing, and so on. And that's the Visual Studio team who are building that, obviously are embracing and building with that in mind, but then within Microsoft, teams like OneDrive, for instance, They're pushing out new releases, new updates to their app, and and using the example I talked about before, where you're getting a .1 release, a .2, a .3, on on your iPhone, your Android, or your Windows phone, or whatever it may be. They're pushing out new builds so quickly that they're utilizing these kind of procedures. They're utilizing automation of testing, continuous deployment to the relevant stores. They're handling all the release management automatically, which enables them to scale more effectively. But also, they're using some more of the advanced practices where they're doing things like gleaning uh, monitoring about metrics about information downloads responding to feedback very quickly you know, you've seen that in other product groups as well, like the user voice uh, the whole process around user voice, which is uh, each product or many of the products seem to have this user voice where they're gleaning feedback from users directly, and they can very quickly in certain circumstances depending on on the the, the user voice request, implement that in the products and push out a new version so very quickly we're seeing these devops practices start to be embraced in different flavors around around microsoft and we're big users of github which is uh, for want of a better term and a very high level um, a a repository for code for artifacts and stuff and microsoft's a huge user of github now utilizing it for things like open sourcing of powershell and, and much more where we again share source code in many cases um so the so the community can contribute. They can they can clone the repository. They can make changes. They can push those uh, or pull requests of their changes to be merged back into the main branches. And from there, they're they're essentially contributing to uh, the way we deliver technology to meet their needs more specifically. So it's a, a bit of a generic example, but those groups like Visual Studio, OneDrive is another example. They're not alone. There's a lot of 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 use of. DevOps practices in various forms within um, within Microsoft. And it's probably worth me, me mentioning some of these practices. I keep referring to them, and people are, people will be thinking, well, what are these practices? What what are some of the examples? Uh, so, do you want me to just go through those? Is that worthwhile?
0: Yeah, no, I think I was I was kind of I was keeping that for an exciting finale. Um, but but you've uh, but being as you've gone there, um, I, yeah, you know, I think absolutely. I think because because you're right. I think people will be listening to this, and we could maybe ju- round off a little bit talking about. Um, some of the some of the kind of benefits of, of this mentality because I think, you know, working in technology we're always quick to, to want to put a label on something and, and DevOps just happens to be that, that latest label. But I don't want yeah. people to kind of lose some of the benefit of this kind of approach to working, you know, it's not just about being software developers. You know, I think we see this in in industries where they could be manufacturing widgets, but this kind of this kind of mentality, this kind of approach to their processes, can can glean huge yeah. benefits. But um, but yeah, let's let why don't we do that? So. Yeah. What What are some of the kind of the fundamental practices that uh, that you're seeing from your own perspective, and maybe from Microsoft's, that are that are good staging posts? You know, good good points that if you want to try and de- to kind of use this this DevOps approach to things, what are some of the good practices that you should be using?
1: Yeah. So there's there's a number of of practices, and we collectively at Microsoft believe there are seven fundamentals, uh, and in no particular order. The, the first one is is one that's probably Uh, something that you're a little bit familiar with as well for your work with Azure or Azure as you said you would call it earlier but um, and one of them is infrastructure as code so infrastructure as code is essentially saying okay I'm, I'm using Azure how can I deploy my workloads my applications my code in a standardized way that helps me avoid the significant number of testing and deployment defects that can occur when you're doing things manually and when Environments differ. And what I mean by that is I can define in Azure an ARM template, an Azure Resource Manager template that defines all of the infrastructure associated with my application. So it's going to use this type of, of VM, this memory, this CPU. Um, it's going to need this network, public IP and all of that stuff. And I know that if I run that in Azure, it's going to deploy that VM or that application or that set of VMs and I know going forward if I deploy this on Azure Stack it will do the same but no matter how many times I deploy that it's going to be the same it's going to always be the same result because I've standardized and I've locked down and it's similar in a way I suppose where you used VMM templates in the past you know you would define a template to give you a standardized gold image if you will to deploy And arm templates are an example of defining the infrastructure you need for your app like the VMs as code because an ARM template is essentially JSON code, so it's essentially giving you a way to quickly standardise from a development perspective, how, and and from an ops perspective. Don't don't think this is uh, just about uh, developers. Operations people can really streamline and speed up how quickly you deploy uh, workloads in Azure specifically, and Azure Stack using. Uh, infrastructure as Code approaches like ARM templates, and um, I've until a couple of months ago hadn't really done a huge amount with ARM. And you just throw yourself into it, and the learning it becomes a lot clearer once you start to embrace and utilize. And you can see the benefit very quickly of how how streamlined um, you can make the process of deployment. And once you've once you've codified, if you will, for one of the made up word potentially, the way you deploy infrastructure that can then be called by other tools. So for instance, if your developers need environments setting up to test and, and, and replicate production essentially, they could have this ARM template that defines their production environment. And whenever they need a new, in quotes, environment, they just run PowerShell, deploy, Azure JSON, Azure.json, boom, and off it goes. And it deploys the same la- as last time and it will deploy the same as next time. So it's those kind of approaches that Yield immediate benefits in being consistent, time savings, reducing error rates, and it's auditable. You can see exactly what steps have been performed every time. And if something's gone wrong, you can trace back. So infrastructure as code is a big one. Um, then we start to get in um, and, and to relate that to some technology. We talked about Azure, obviously, but how can you deploy uh, ARM templates? Well, you could use PowerShell to call it. You could use the Azure CLI to, to uh, deploy a template. You could use um, Visual Studio. Uh, Visual Studio Code, there's all sorts of different ways you could deploy. Or you could use a third-party open source tool, whatever it may be. But then you start to say, okay, I've got my code, I'm deploying. How do I get my app into that environment, into that set of VMs that I've just deployed? And that's where tools uh, or, or where practices specifically like continuous integration and continuous deployment really play a big part in how optimized a developer can be. So for I talked about GitHub and a repo before. If you think about a developer, they're building something, they check in their code, and then manually, in historical terms, manually, something they would kick off a, a build of that code to make the application, then maybe manually it's copied to the um, the target machine, and then it's manually tested and manually released. Well with with practices like continuous integration and continuous deployment, firstly you're essentially merging the working copies of all of your developer's code who are working on this particular app into the shared mainline branch of the code, and that automatically through these CI, CD tools, of which Visual Studio is an example, Visual Studio Team Services, or tools like Jenkins, which is open source and um, commercially supported, uh, they will take that facts you just checked in they'll they'll be monitoring that repository like github for instance where you have just checked in the code and it will automatically build a new instance of that app and it will do things like integration or tests that developers defined so does it respond to a ping or can I reach it on a certain port and then from there It's it essentially moves on through to okay we've got a a known good build that at least tests uh, that's been tested from an integration test perspective it seems to work now we push it out to a uh, an environment whether it be test dev production QA or whatever it may be and you set all of this up in in these tools Uh, so continuous deployment builds on continuous integration essentially taking that application that's just been automatically built based on the code check in and pushing it to, let's say, a uh, QA environment that is then subjected to potentially more tests, either automatically or or user acceptance testing potentially. And once that has been uh, signed off, again, either automatically or you could have it as a manual step, you would use tools, perhaps the same tool or an an alternative one that would handle the final release into production. Because maybe you're not at the stage where... Release management being this, this other practice that I'm referencing now. You might not be at the stage where you're comfortable just continually deploying into production without any, any real approval process at the end. So you may implement something like a release management practice where you've got the ability to automate deployment of new apps into production across managed environments. You've got traceability, you've got approvals, you've got rollback. Uh, and you may have things like uh, certain responsibilities like the head of dev has to approve this before it goes into production, or, you know, whereas when we are talking about continuous deployment earlier, you can just deploy into QA continuously as hence the name, continuous deployment. So they're just some of the, the I've touched on quite a few practices there, so infrastructure as code, the ARM template example, continuous integration, just merging and continually integrating changes developers are making into existing code repositories, automating the testing, again, these various tools uh, can help with that. Visual Studio, Jenkins is another good example. Continuous deployment, pushing things out, uh, the build that you've just made, pushing it out to a location and or release management where it goes to production. You've got a couple of others as well, like configuration management. Now, you'll know that when you deploy a Windows server, you know, if we think about um, I know you're a a very competent IT professional, Paul, so this probably won't, this probably won't happen to you, but you'll deploy a Windows server. It'll get pushed out and then something will magically change and then it's broken. And you think, okay, well, I didn't change anything. I didn't log on and make a change or who knows what happened. Well, configuration management tools like PowerShell DSC or Chef or Puppet to reference some open source and, and non Microsoft solutions. They will essentially say, okay, this server, we want it to look like this. This is our gold view of this web server. It should have these files, it should have this configuration, it should have these roles and features. I'm using Windows Server as an example here. And we will always want it to look like that. And when we deploy another one, I want that one to look like that as well. Again, thinking back to that standardized uh, approach. And if things drift over time, somebody makes a tweak or whatever, on a schedule that the tools define, we will automatically refresh and make sure that it comes back in line with what what we deem as, as gold so it's it's really just making it so it's this this server should always look like this if we give it a certain classification so they're really handy as well because the last thing you want is if your developers are building apps and they're relying on uh, the VM to become the 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 platform to be configured in a certain way and it drifts and it breaks their app that's not good so if we ensure that configurations are consistent that's a, a really important uh, piece And then finally and I'm waffling on about these different um, different uh, practices but the final fundamental that we see is how do you ensure you've got visibility into everything that's going on because if you don't if something goes wrong what happens well that's where tools that provide application performance monitoring and management that can give not only a high level visibility of the health of an alerting and logging of your applications your developer built applications but they also provide that ability to drill down and start to see root cause analysis at the line of code and, and system center ops manager has, has done a pretty good job of this over the years. And I'm sure that will progress into the operations management suite as we go forward as well. But having that visibility, rich dashboards for those that aren't inclined to look at the code, but the ability to drill deep down to see what's going on at the code level to see where there's latency or see where something's falling flat, you know, they're, they're really important as well. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's in a nutshell is around um, APM, uh, Application Performance Monitoring. And they're, they're ultimately the, the fundamentals. And we've got some great blog posts and resources that, that uh, can help if people want to read through those in a little bit more uh, timely manner.
0: So I think, you know, that, that,
1: that, that, that's really interesting
0: stuff in there. And one of the things that really... intrigues me about devops is that i think we all look at it as this kind of uh, development toolkit you know a way of making sure we get software out quicker we can we can do things in a more timely and effective manner but even listening to some of those fundamentals that you're covering there, things like desired state configs, things like template deployments, uh, things like kind of visibility into performance of applications, you know, I'm looking at those as kind of fundamental requirements for running modern IT. You know, as we we need focus on absolutely need focus on getting things out quicker and be more effective and being an IT department that can can do that can deliver, not an IT department that's yeah. forever saying no, but also on things like building data security, building data privacy, if I know that every deployment that I do is always meeting my corporate standard yeah. or my organizational uh-huh. standard, you know, I, I just see tons of benefit in that kind of stuff, you know, and, and are those, yeah. are, the, are those the kind of things that you've seen elsewhere, are they the other kind of things that people are embracing as well?
1: Oh yeah, I would say so, and I think um, the key thing for from the ops side, I know you talked about the IT pro there and... and They do play an important part in DevOps. I think DevOps personally, coming from the IT pro side, it is a little bit more centric over towards the dev side, the tooling, the usage, the benefit of of DevOps to to the organization is great, but the way it streamlines the development process seems to be stronger than the way it streamlines operations. But operations needs to be there because it needs to provide a platform for consumption of resources that developers can use. Um, You mentioned security and compliance and stuff. If developers can't get what they need from IT, where are they going to go? They're going to go to the cloud and they're going to get the credit card out. And that's where Shadow IT, which I'm sure your listeners will will know all about, uh, where I'll just go to. Azure myself and put my credit card in and I can just do all of this stuff without needing to involve IT, that's where your security and your compliance, not less so security because Azure is a very secure platform, but maybe they're doing it out of compliance because data needs to reside in the four walls of their data center, for instance. So all of those things, it's important that IT is, is there for the for the journey of DevOps with uh, dev side by side. They need to be involved in the same meetings. They need to be involved in the same processes. They need to have an appreciation of of these tools that developers need and are using, they don't necessarily know the ins and need to know the ins and outs of Jenkins and and Visual Studio and all of that stuff, but they need to have an appreciation of how it's being used and how they can provide the most optimal environment and that's Azure does a great job of that because it's massively scalable it's got a global footprint, but it's easily consumed for the developer through a variety of ways, whether that be UI, which obviously is a bit slower in terms of clicking and whatnot, but more so specifically programmatically and through the APIs. And that's where Azure Stack, being consistent from an API perspective with Azure, really lends an on-premises developer who has to stay on-prem for whatever legality reason or whatever it may be. It really gives them uh, an incredible opportunity. And IT, as the provider of that Azure Stack within the environment, it's really the the keys to developer success if developers can't get what they need it's it's it that really need to step up and deliver for the business benefit overall an environment that can be easily consumed by by those developers well that's
0: probably going to lead nicely onto the next topic but um i, I think before we do that um I, and i think this kind of whole devops discussion and, and the way that we're seeing technology change and developing in our you know professional lives uh, i think we could probably talk about this for for another another hour or so um but assuming we don't want people just to throw their podcast players in the bin uh we'll, <laughs> um, people have a podcast player is that I, a specific know, thing? The, the, your <laughs> podcast catcher of choice um, or, or right. whatever it might be uh, your mythical tool um but yeah so so you talked actually. You touched on some of the uh, reference materials and some of the way people can find out a little bit more about kind of uh, DevOps practices, and maybe maybe particularly some of the things that Microsoft are doing to help enable that. Um, yep. Where's where's a kind of good place that people can go? Where's where's a place that people can start? And and I hate to use this phrase uh, DevOps journey, but but I've done it. Um, I use it, but well. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. We'll we'll apologise later. Um, yep. But yeah, so where's a good place people can go and look and, and find out a little bit more on on these topics?
1: I was hoping it will be on your blog, so I'll just point people there. But, but if that's not the case... Um, I've already overrated my professional competence whilst yeah. during this discussion, so uh, let's, not, let's not try it <laughs> twice. No, let's keep it at a minimum. Um, a good place, actually, visually, if, you wanna, if you're interested in downloading and watching a video or videos, there's a series of videos on Channel 9. And if you just do a search in your favorite search engine for uh, DevOps Fundamentals, I'll do it now just so I can check that it comes up. DevOps Fundamentals Channel 9 you'll find a series on there uh with a variety of my colleagues uh who are there recording it that walk you through the fundamentals like we've gone through. So I think there's an episode on each of those fundamental practices that we just talked about, which you know is handy if you want to learn a bit more, see it in a demo form, understand how it works in a bit more. Uh, we also have uh let me just check the link. I think it's the DevOps factory, which actually has a load of um Links, a load of resources. Man types on computer on podcast. No, I found it, but it says the factory is closed on the website. <laughs> uh, so we. Uh, but there's links to the DevOps Fundamentals series, DevOps Dimensions, and MVA, Microsoft Virtual Academy, DevOps Training. And it actually uses the term DevOps skill-building journey, so it's not just me. Um, <laughs> oh, me. That would be a good place. I mean, it's not an ideal link, because obviously it says factory closed, but <laughs> if you just want a, a place where you can link to everything else, then then that's there as well. And other than that, I think those resources are really useful. Uh, the Fundamentals is very good. The DevOps Training, DevOps Dimensions is a, a Channel 9 show highlights some of the other partner work and and organizations who have embraced this. So that's quite an interesting different, uh, less so about what each practice is, more so about how organizations like the OneDrive team are using it. I think OneDrive team were actually one of the the teams that were interviewed on there as well. So um, there's also some Visual Studio resources that I can provide the links for for you when when you publish the the blog. But yeah, loads and loads of great stuff. There's also, uh, as if that's not enough, I'm just the gift that keeps on giving, (laughs) everyone likes to learn through hands-on versus just reading or watching. So we've actually published some hands-on labs um, with a fictitious company. It's not Contoso, it's not Fabricam, it's not AdventureWorks. It's called Parts Unlimited, as in car parts or bike parts. Parts Unlimited MRP, and that is a fictitious application, solution, whatever, that you can learn how to deploy and manage through devops practices um, and you only need an azure subscription you could even use a trial and i can provide the links to that as well it's, uh, it's a, the, the team have done a great job of helping you uh, embrace all of that through um uh, through a hands-on lab so really easy to follow and, and yeah you can learn about some of the things we've talked about like infrastructure as code and um, some of the continuous integration and so on uh, through not just microsoft tools but there are there is an open source path as well as a microsoft path so loads of cool stuff there so for anybody who's ever read the phoenix
0: projects they might recognize the name parts unlimited one mind thing that's
1: it yeah exactly yeah yeah
0: That's, that's exactly right So that wraps up the first part of our interview. Next week, we'll look at Matt's other area of expertise, and that's Microsoft's on-premises cloud offering, Azure Stack. If you want to pick up on the resources that Matt talked about in this episode, then why not check out the show notes over on techstringy.com. And if you want to make sure you catch next week's show, then why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. So until next week, thanks for listening.